0: February the 20th, 2024, let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. We begin with our scripture of the week, Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, and a piece by Pastor Emily Larson entitled, Maybe Not a Children's Story. Then, Pastor Emily and I will talk scripture, and more specifically, why maybe it's okay to not take Noah's Ark entirely literally. But first,
1: a reading from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I've always found it kind of funny that we paint murals of the story of Noah's Ark in children's nurseries. I will admit that the pretty pairs of giraffes and zebras and lions and the nice picture of Noah's family smiling on a boat with a rainbow overhead does make a pretty mural. It's a story of God's love for animals, trusting God through the storms of life, and remembering God's promise of love every time we see a rainbow after a storm. I will also admit that in my many years working with children, I have helped many church trustees paint those very murals on our church nursery walls. And I have taught that Sunday school song to the catchy tune about God telling Noah to build him an arky arky where we rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. But. I still don't think that the entire story of Noah is meant for all audiences, particularly children. You know, a second interpretation of this story is most definitely not G-rated and wouldn't make a great nursery decoration. It's the story about God's anger, about human rebellion and sin. It's the story about God's desire to flood the earth and to start over except for a remnant of faithful humanity. It's a story of death and destruction and unrepentant human bodies floating in the floodwaters of God's wrath. I have a feeling that this story of Noah's Ark, with all of its death and destruction and bodies, would be much too graphic for a church nursery theme. But I'm not sure that either of those interpretations truly capture the entire story of God's mercy in Genesis. You see, we have to look to the finale in chapter 9 to get the rest of the story. When we look at both sides of the narrative, we can begin to understand the mercy that God is extending to humanity here. You see, the Hebrew word used in chapter 9, verse 13, isn't rainbow. It's just bow, as in bow and arrow. God putting a rainbow in the sky is God hanging up God's bow of destruction, Retiring your bow meant retiring from battle. God's bow is no longer pointing towards the earth. It's done. God promises that whatever else is to come in the future, the path of destruction by a flood, is off the table. God hangs up the bow and promises a new covenant to Noah and his family and, by extension, to all of humanity and all of creation to come. God makes a new covenant that promises patience and peace when dealing with creation. This is a story of redemption. It's God choosing to put aside the option of destruction and instead seeking restored relationship with us, God's beloved children. This is a story of God's power, justice, mercy, kindness, and faithfulness. God recognizes that humans have been are, and will continue to be sinful. And yet, God chooses to be patient and to extend mercy instead of punishment. This particular realization hit me harder this Lenten season. When deciding what to give up for Lent this year, I chose to give up complaining, particularly about someone in my life that requires a lot of extra grace right now. I decided to give up being frustrated by this person and instead give grace and patience and mercy, even though they try my patience on the daily. We are only a few days into Lent, and I am already struggling to keep my Lenten fast from complaining. It's harder than I thought it would be. I cannot imagine how difficult it must be for God, who is all-knowing and all-powerful, to put up with my short shortcomings, to put up with all of humanity's shortcomings, how much mercy must be extended knowing that we have broken our covenant with God and that we will continue to do so. Knowing that God will continue to fulfill that covenant of right relationship, of righteousness, even though we are going to continue to fall short. What an incredible, merciful, wonderful God we serve. In light of this mercy, perhaps we should all be reminded and continually sing, rise and shine and give God the glory glory. So as you just
0: heard in Emily's piece, and as I also took it in the sermon, I think we've really centered on the very strange fact that we use the Noah story as a children's story. It is just (laughs) not a children's story.
1: It's really not G rated. <laughs> it's not well, for children. And and in the sermon, I like I
0: open like I so often with the sermon. I have like I frame analogy and then like move from analogy into scriptural analysis to the takeaway. This is the normal flow of my sermon. And this past Sunday – you know, yesterday as we're recording this. Um, I literally just opened with, this text is trouble. And if you don't think this text is trouble, you're not thinking that hard
1: about it. <laughs> this text is trouble. It is. I've even made that joke with the trustees while we're painting the rainbow yeah. on the mural in the children's wing of like, okay, now where do you put the people who didn't get on the ark? Well, right? Like, are I, they I wanna... are they in the bottom frame? Just like- like begging to get on the ark. Now the floodwaters are coming in. Are they floating? Are they there? like holding
0: <laughs> on to the ark?
1: Right. right? Are they clinging? Like what's happening? Like this is an apocalypse story. This is not. This, this is not you know. Children, this is
0: you know the, right? the Bible version of you know the Titan like all the shots from the sinking of the Titanic in right. the you know the the you know James Cameron film right? It's just water <laughs> and people everywhere. And yes. I, you know, having. Finished my theological education, still decorated my son's nursery uh, with this. This is not a holdover from when I didn't know, right? Like, I, you know, my son is born three weeks after I graduate, not even three, excuse me, it was less than three weeks after I graduate. The goal was um, that, you know, uh, I would be done with my graduate education and then we would have children. And that happened. Very close. There was a race. My thesis was, this will not surprise anyone who knows me well, or the listeners of the podcast, because I've admitted to it many times, there was a race between my child and my thesis. Because the, the-, the child was on normal schedule, and the thesis was badly delayed. The thesis won. Barely. Anyways. So I knew. I knew. I knew. Because and I still, still did it
1: but there's still all the cute decorations when you go right. into like the home goods stores and the babies are Like they're really cute. Little but, Noah's Ark things and the toys and the, yeah. Know, and
0: the little, and the, the giraffe's and the head, the giraffe's yeah. head sticks at the top of the right. Ark. Of them.
1: And they're so yeah. cute. And they're in yeah. love and the male and the female line and the zebras and the cute, I mean, uh-huh. it's adorable, right? Yeah. It's a really pretty picture with the rainbow. I,
0: the first thing I ever, I, what, before You know, early, early in um, Sydney's first pregnancy, I, like, started... And I'm a broke graduate school student and half-time licensed local pastor. So, like, financial resource was just not a, a thing. But I found, like, a toy Ark in a thrift store. It's me. So this was a thrift store. A thrift store, and I bought it. And that's probably, like, the first thing I bought for the nursery. Again, having finished my Old Testament classes long before, because... Right. I mean, this is... Uh-huh. No, I... I um. And yet, it is just, the, the scale of which this is not a story for children cannot be ignored.
1: Right, right. It's just it cute animals. It is cute animals and cute rainbows, and, you know, that makes for cute decorations. But, but in actuality, <laughs> this a is a story of, of starting people... humanity
0: over. Yeah, it's hitting the, literally hitting the restart button on humanity. And so where where I took the sermon is I I try to really—and and some of this, I think, comes from having been a preacher in the rural South for a good chunk of my career—I really try to leave space for biblical literalism. I It is not my perspective on Scripture, but I also recognize not just that it's very mainstream, but there's a lot of people— we love dearly for whom that really is um their perspective on scripture and i want to as much as i can without saying a thing that i believe to be untrue it leaves space for it And i think with right. this sermon especially i butted up against uh, essentially saying i don't think this happened i just right. don't i don't i think this is a story that right. tells a truth i don't think this happened.
1: didn't not that the flood didn't happen. That no, no, I think the flood... I really think the flood happened. Right? That we know. Yeah, Arche- but, it
0: like, but it was like... But it was like 10,000 years ago, not a billion years ago. Right, right, right. then right. it didn't cover the whole earth. It covered more of the Mediterranean basin than it should have. But I... You know, I, I agree. Like I, I said, like, I really think a flood happened, right? Because we have... like right. The Babylonians talk about the flood... Um,
1: Right, anthropologically we've got evidence. The stories about
0: Atlantis is looking down at the water and seeing the ruins from what got covered up. It's also, like, it's not, the flood didn't go away. We just call it the Bosporus Strait.
1: Right, right.
0: (laughs) Um, No, so it's not that I don't think the flood happened. I don't think the Noah story happened. I'm just going to say this straight up. I said it less straight up in the sermon. Because again, I, I try to leave room. And if you disagree with me, that's cool. Right, like right. welcome to the the joy of Christianity that we can have these like wildly different perspectives on the text and and be okay. But, but I you don't think have to that... wonder
1: about how the dinosaurs fit on the ark. Right? right. If if biblical literalism is not your thing and you've never been able to reconcile that in your brain and you've never heard a different perspective, welcome to the other perspective, yeah. which is this is a story. Um you don't have to try to figure out where all the poop went. And how the Although that is the most
0: fun part of the story, right? Uh, as having discussed this scripture with an eight-year-old recently, that is the best part of this story of right. really pondering. Because um, uh, Thomas didn't get to come to church because um, he was camping at the Cub Scouts. So we were talking about the Noah story, um, and I mentioned, that, yeah, and you got to really wonder where the poop goes. Is right? You need to really wonder where the poop goes. I'm like, yeah, dog, right? right? Like, where'd the poop go? Because, but I think this is one of those stories where I'm not saying it It doesn't communicate a truth. I really think it did. I just preached a sermon on it and made you write an essay on it. So yes. I think this communicates truth. I haven't, you know... I work. Actually, I right. work really hard to not throw anything out of the canon. Let's address the canon. It's scripture, so let's talk about it. We have a podcast called Scripture Talk, but this podcast is called The Goodness of God because I think if this one literally happened, we really need to deal with God's goodness, because right. holy cow! Right. It's if this a
1: reset. isn't hy-
0: if this isn't hyperbole, I like we we to me, I have a deep spiritual crisis. Um. This is one of those texts when I learned that there are other ways to think about it. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, what a relief that other people have looked at this story. Similar to, you know, the odds of us preaching on a good chunk of the book of Joshua is unlikely. Because Joshua is a book that says, if you read it literally, says, yeah, yeah, kill all of your enemies and, and, like, just massacre them and it's okay. And... And so, again, like, um, for me, particularly in the Old Testament, there is a stories that are hyperbole to make a point. And I think Noah's Ark definitely falls into hyperbole to make a point.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, It reminds me of, so there's this great Christian comedian. um, Well, not really a Christian comedian. She just makes fun of her very conservative upbringing in an evangelical church um, which I think is hilarious um, but she she talks about how Old Testament God is like the ultimate Taylor Swift breakup album. <laughs> like yeah. snakes, look what you made me do <laughs> Look what you made me yeah. do. And it's kind of hilarious if you think yeah. of it like that, because there's, there is a yeah. lot of hyperbole yeah. there Yeah, that sounds like, and it's particularly in the story of Noah, like floods, look what you made me do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it sounds very much like a Taylor Swift breakup album.
0: <laughs> it does. It, it and and so I want us, again, I, I don't want to, I, I don't feel equipped as, you know, a, you know, working theologian with only, a, with only a master's degree, to and certainly not one in biblical languages. I don't feel qualified to take the red pen um, and mark up the canon.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so...
1: Nor do we need to. I Nobody mean, the like, canon is there. I, I, well, I mean, I and, and, think if you take both sides of this story, you do see the mercy of God in this story. Like you see This is a story God.
0: about God's grace. Yes. If we can get past the floating bodies for a second, this right. is a story about God's grace. And this ended 100%. up being a sermon about God's grace. Yes. It, but it is a story that means to communicate the seriousness of the problem of sin. Mm-hmm. right that to me that is the the takeaway is god's merciful right but also the like meant to communicate that these floating bodies are what should happen to you right because you have been given this great gift by god And you are misusing, you, you, we, I, we are all misusing it. And this is what God would be in God's, uh, righteousness to do.
1: Because God is a just God, right? Right. This
0: is justice. And, and, um, but God made a promise that God's not going to do this. And so let's, as a way of us reckoning with God's mercy. Yes. Um. And then you see that, like, you know, and this is the other bit that I bring up anytime we talk about Noah, is we cut off the Noah story at a very important point, because <laughs> the next little chunk of the Noah story is terrifying.
1: It's where it uh, all goes to heck again. <laughs> it
0: all goes to heck again immediately. It's still chapter nine. Because right, I really thought that was... faithful remnant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the faithful remnant in this same chapter that contains the rainbow then noah discovers drunkenness uh and then um i well i know right just look it up just yeah. look it up it's just it all goes even worse from there mm-hmm. and one of his sons is declared a perpetual problem and this is the one righteous family right uh, it's a problem and, and so it is a story of humanity's unrighteousness and God's mercy and the continued promise of God's mercy. Assuming that we treat this as a story, this text is trouble. Like, I know I open, like, every every time I want to talk about the Noah story, like, in here we get, like, the nice put-a-bow-on-it conclusion of the Noah story. How lovely is that? Yeah, but, like, um, um, hi, uh, lot of dead people. Um, yeah. this is the story The until we get to revelation.
1: Well, um, so yeah, I like that you talked about that in your sermon. And one of the things that really stood out to me in the story that I put in the piece, um, was not just that this is justice for humanity's crimes up to that point, but that God knew that we would continue to break this covenant. Yeah. And God yeah. chose to make the covenant anyways. Um, that God chose the way of peace for all of the future times that we were also gonna mess it all up again. So right there when Noah's family, when this faithful remnant right after the ark messes it all up again, like God knows and then
0: every subsequent like this is yes. the the Bible, as we talk about it, like the Bible has very few uncomplicated people. Right. right? There are very few simple heroes throughout all of scripture. Mm-hmm. And even the like big headliners, with v- shockingly few exceptions, are profoundly strange when you dig into it, right? You know, Abraham, right? We're gonna, you know, coming up, you know, he's in his story starts in a couple of chapters, right? Like Abraham you know, father's Ishmael. Um, right. right. And then there's some really weird stuff about, you know, how he, uh, let's go with, uses his wife to gain political favor.
1: Right. Wife as sister, but not really. Yeah. But
0: also that, like, uh, maybe a king will sleep with her and thus right. give them a better time. Right. Uh, you know, Moses, murderer. Maybe David
1: had the whole Bathsheba incident,
0: right? Like Samson. So, like, it really is kind of Joseph and Daniel. And in terms of utterly uncomplicated,
1: right? Maybe
0: Ruth, but even that's a little like you know, um, Mm -hmm. a little risque even Esther has like her, you know, as much as I love Esther has the moment of like, am I really going to do this? And Mordecai's like, God's going to do this or not, right. but maybe you should. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, again, you we're, uh at some point, I think I'm going to do reteach my series called speed dating the old Testament. Right. And if you want to speed date the old Testament for a second, what it is, is a lot of really complicated people. And so yeah. we, even from not even just our own, personal experience of humanity but even if you just look at humans what made it into the bible right they're really we are complicated. complicated
1: we are a complicated species and so god choosing to hang up the way of violence right to hang up his bow um to put the rainbow it, i really had never noticed i guess before yeah. reading it this time that it didn't say rainbow
0: it says just hang up bow. his yeah 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 hang, hang up, up his bow. bow yeah
1: yeah Hanging yeah. up the way of destruction, hanging up. Um, when I think that, that is, so this
0: is twigging, this is twigging a memory in the recesses of my brain, which I could Google and I'm not going to, of like, this is a way, like a thinking about this as, in the context of being written in the ancient near East, this is a thing that like ancient, like that ain't, a way of talking that ancient near Eastern people expect of the hanging up right. of the boat. Like I have some memory, and I, again,
1: that it sh- means something to that culture right. in particular and that maybe it didn't click within ours. Instantly. Right. And this is just, like this is happening. not
0: the direction I took the sermon. And so I did not go back and check this like little recess, in the back of my brain, but like in the same way that like cutting the covenant with, um, Abraham, right? Where right, cutting Abraham the cow like, in half. cutting the cow in half and, and walking, walking between it. Between it. it. This, this is how treaties happened in the ancient Near East. And so it sounds ludicrous to us, but it's just part of ancient Near Eastern culture. My memory, don't quote me on this, is this is another one of those just like, this is a story. We hear it as this may be one of the only ancient Near Eastern stories that n- normal humans know, but actually there's this whole genre of literature that sounds like this. Right. And and back to, I really think that this story in particular is not, it is a story outside of history. In the same way that I think of Job as a story of a uh, man from Us, okay, sure, right? That is just- it, what Job is just – literally the opening of Job is the biblical equivalent of a long time ago in a ga- galaxy far, far away. It doesn't right. make Job untrue. It's an amazing reflection on uh, human suffering yeah. um, and the relationship with God in the midst of human suffering. But I don't think there was like a literal guy named Job.
1: Who actually right? got swallowed by a big fish and spit back up. Right, right. But, yeah, you don't have but to wonder I, about how that happened.
0: <laughs> I. But I. in the same way that I do think that – there is a decent shot that there was a historical Abraham right Right, or even if like that that the like Abraham's or certainly I think um there was historical Moses right. um and, and maybe that looks a little different than how Exodus pr- portrays it but like it's really inconvenient for your like major founding figure to have a to have an Egyptian name right like Moses <laughs> is an Egyptian name and you know you, you always look at the like well, if it's really inconvenient, that really makes it more likely to be true because it's really inconvenient that you're like big founding for you. Know, we just did the Transfiguration last week, that you're like top three all-timer. Um, you know, you know, the Transfiguration seems to pick a top three of Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. And so your top three pantheon of uh, people what written about in this book uh. One of them definitely has one of them has a foreign name, and it's Moses. Right, and um, that's
1: foreign specifically Egyptian. And an Egyptian name. Right.
0: Uh, so, anyways, but this is one where I, in the same way that I think about the story that actually comes next, is the Tower of Babel, which I also think is another one of those stories out of history to tell us a truth. Right. Right. Um, because if you trace back the human anthropology, we, our languages divert, if you trace back like historic anthrop, the anthropological work on modern languages, that work happened, a lot of those splits started happening before we had the capacity to build giant towers in the sky, right? That's just in in the same way that like, um, the, our capacity to build giant ships, um, is much more modern than this happening when dinosaurs walked the earth, right? Like these are these are ones where we like, to me, as again, not a biblical literalist. I, you know, should put the open disclaimer on this podcast. This podcast is two people who are not biblical literalists talking about something where biblical literalists spend a lot of energy like wrapping around. Yeah. How do we get Moses, how do we, not Moses, how do we get Noah into, how do we get the ark to fit into anything like a fossil record? And what I'm saying is, don't, don't worry about it.
1: Don't, but but also that that makes the story no less true. Right. Right? Um. For the, for the... The so you're, scriptural
0: you're, part of the story, not the this, plot part. This is a, right. this is to me, this, the Tower of Babel and Job are yeah. all three old testament parables right in the same way that i don't think there was an actual samaritan right like right. I, that is a, a parable. Parable. Yes.
1: Yeah. is a parable yes
0: mm-hmm. this is a parable this is a parable told in the same way that like uh what's the one is it the parable of the talents where the guy gets thrown into outer darkness yes right yes where there is much screaming and gnashing of teeth Nashing i think that's the, yes. i think that's the parable of the talents mm-hmm. i could google this too still not going to um Right, like, I don't think there's a literal guy that got thrown into the gnashing of teeth. I don't think there was a literal Noah. I don't need there to be a literal Noah. Actually, for me specifically, I need there to not be a literal Noah.
1: (laughs) Well, and... and I think that it's okay to have these interpretations. Um, or at least I hope it is because I'm about to be evaluated by a board of ordained ministry for my final ordination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you're listening to this, yes, I believe that the Bible is true and that scripture is 100% true. Um, that does not mean that we have to take a literal interpretation of every single word for word.
0: Well, and in some ways the text doesn't lend it. This is, you know, I, Having, you know, worked worked alongside a lot of biblical literalists in my life, um, you know, I think that Genesis specifically opens with the, this is all true, but let's widen what true means because it opens with two creation stories, right? Mm-hmm. So we're only a few chapters in, right? And Genesis 1 is one story of creation. Genesis 2 is an entirely different story of creation. They don't yes. align. and so the person the so genesis we think uh, we think based on a lot of biblical scholarship that genesis had a number of writers and then an editor that assembles different pieces that maybe were not written to be next to each other right the tower of babel and the noah story may not have been written to go next to each other the editor of genesis um puts these things all in concert together. And the editor of Genesis puts Genesis 1, which we think that guy, the people who edited Genesis also wrote Genesis 1 as like a frame for the book, um, and then puts that right next to Genesis 2, which tells an entirely different way the world came into being, except both of them get at something that's true about God. Genesis 1 talks about how God built this amazing orderly machine and that God is master of chaos. Amen. Amen. And then the garden story, um, the, the Adam and Eve saga is about God being really intimately interested in your life and caring about what, in the, in the micro, right? Of Went
1: how do you, that.
0: how do you treat people? How are you treating each other? How are you treating the world that I have blessed you with? Right? Mm-hmm. All of that's true. And it doesn't necessitate us blowing our brains up to like, oh, if we twist this and manipulate this, this is really one story. It just isn't. And it doesn't and and, and it doesn't need to be. Because right. I think that do I think that much in Genesis one through ten happened in the way that Genesis one through ten says it? No, I don't. I just don't. And Wait, I don't need doesn't... it to.
1: You don't need it to, but that doesn't cause a crisis of faith, right? Um, Uh, I I don't know if I knew that this is where this podcast was going to go this week, but I love that it did because, so this week, my husband has banned the word literally from our children's mouths um, because- Yeah,
0: I have a a problem (laughs) with that. I I have a problem with that. Uh, Grey's Anatomy is what did that to me.
1: Yeah. Um, literally. Literally. It's, there's so much of it. Well, they'll, they'll bump their toe and go, Oh my gosh, my foot's literally going to fall off. I'm like, really? Literally. Or, uh, you know, my head hurts. I'm literally going to die. I guess I'll call well, You will literally die
0: off. someday, but probably right. not from that headache.
1: And so we have banned the word literally in our house this yeah. week. And now it has also been banned by this podcast. So I, I am very well,
0: appreciative. I, I just, <laughs> so. I, I, I deeply dislike the instinct to ban things to talk about because they're too heavy or they're too scary, right? It's why we just did, we're we're just wrapping up, Lord willing, this week, we're wrapping up um, our study of Revelation in Bible study. Um, Mm -hmm. Sure, it looks like the end times. Um, A study of of study of revelation for our modern times i wrote that in 2020 um because i got so tired i got so tired of this covid 19 pandemic this is the end times i'm just like it just can't be because this is not even this is bad but like it's happened before and happened before a hundred years ago and if anything was the end times it was the black death anyways and Anyways, right. I got really tired of this. Is literally the end times, and so,
1: literally,
0: uh, literally. and so I devoted twelve weeks of my life to writing the study, and uh, you know I got to go through it again. But I don't want to ban Revelation as topic. It is scripture. We should reckon with it. But like, right. let's reckon with it as scripture rather than as this is scientific history, which Genesis does not seem to. Genesis itself does not seem to set out to do. Or this is an almanac of the end times, a thing that Revelation does not seem to set out to do.
1: Right. I I saw a great meme. It was, you know, Jesus and a crowd of people in the church. And he said, the difference between you and me is that uh, you use scripture to figure out who it is you're allowed to love. And I use love to figure out how to interpret scripture. Um, right. And so maybe, also, maybe the, we should flip the script that way.
0: <laughs> and so I, I, I bring all of this up. To remind us that we still can't get away from Noah. Right. We still can't get away from, and I used this pun, and it's a bad pun, but I'm going to use it. We cannot water this thing down. <laughs> we cannot. <laughs> if I was a better comedian, I would have just, re- when I found that line, I would have renamed the sermon that we cannot water this thing down. <laughs> We cannot... <laughs> I can't stop now. I'm committed. <laughs> we cannot water this thing down. Sin is a problem!
1: <laughs> Sin is a problem!
0: <laughs> and the Noah story wants to sh- to me, is there to show you the like, look, we are living in a way that deeply displeases our divine creator because God really does care about how we treat people and treat the world. Yes. And if we talk, particularly in a Christian context, when we talk about like a loving relationship with God, then why do we continually live our lives in a way that hurts someone whom we claim to love and who definitely loves us.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: And so we have this hyperbolic story with cute animals and that is actually part of why I felt comfortable you know decorating my nursery with this is because I don't think it happened. Right. But you know although this is the second time this is this, there, these this family is going to come up in both podcasts. Um, the folks who behind funding the, you know, you can go see Noah's Ark, right? There's a half billion dollar museum where you can go see um, a literal interpretation of mm-hmm. Noah's Ark, and I, I fall on the other end of that one.
1: Yeah.
0: If you have thoughts, either about the trouble of sin. Or The Trouble of Noah, or if you want to rant at us about how we are, you know, unbiblical crazy people, I, I welcome that, right? Like, this yeah. is not—the um, the joy for me of Scripture is sometimes that two very well-meaning people can look at this and see wildly different things, and I, and, and yet the truth probably for all of it is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so you can email us with any of that, uh, the goodness of God pod at gmail.com that is the goodness of God pod at gmail.com. If you want more of what we do here, um, the, the best place remains YouTube, um, youtube.com slash servants now is the best place. Um, if you want like live worship. Um most of our worship services and most of the other stuff too ends up on our Facebook page. Uh Facebook.com slash servantsnow. Uh, we have Instagram and TikTok on both of those at servantsnow. Um, and I I think my Lenten discipline this year is figuring out how the video game streaming thing is going to happen on a more regular basis. And when that happens, we will be Game Bad Jesus Rad on Twitch. We are just not yet, that account exists, but we are not yet. Game bad, Jesus rad on Twitch. All of this is made possible by a generous Innovators Grant from the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. If you want to support this thing we do, um, uh, leave us five star uh, reviews on Apple Podcast. That really helps. Um, also, like, comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, if you are a video viewer of this and want an audio show, it's out there. Just put in the goodness of God um, in your podcatcher of choice, and we're the one with the better logo. Uh, the logo that looks like it's from this century. Um, uh, if you are an audio version v- listener and think want to see um, our beautiful faces, um, behold our visages, Visage? Vi, I don't know. Whatever the plural of visages. is.
1: Visages? Uh, I, don't visages? I
0: don't know. Uh, uh, go to YouTube. It's the best place to do that. Um, also, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you next time.